Okay. Hi, Diana. Hi, Lisa. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Which episode are we on again? Um, okay, I think this is episode three mm-hmm. of Should We? A podcast with potential. So much potential. <laughs> um, so much potential that uh, we, we have three and a half questions today that we're going to talk about. And the half question to start with is, should we upgrade our equipment? This is a fraught question. (laughs) So our entire goal, our founding goal of the podcast was low overhead, high enjoyment. Right. However, we've been recording in some pretty DIY setups and we've gotten some listener feedback, which we appreciate, saying that it's very quiet. Um, which makes sense because we were recording essentially on headphone microphones once. Or one time on an iPhone propped up in a glass. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite. (laughs) I loved that. I thought the sound quality was excellent. Well, the other thing about our founding um, premise is that we must enjoy ourselves Mm -hmm. extremely well. So I really enjoyed the experience of talking into an iPhone in a cup. (laughs) (laughs) it somehow makes the whole conversation just so much better yeah and also I think I have like some pride in being scrappy Mm -hmm. and being like yeah we started out with an (laughs) iPhone in a cup you know um I I feel a little attached to that like we made a a a podcast despite (laughs) our unusual setup but you know what I just realized it can actually be super fun upgrading your equipment. It can be so fun. Here's the thing. We didn't actually have to upgrade because I already had a podcast microphone from a previous life of imagining that I would do a podcast. Very much like this podcast. It just took a while to manifest. So there were actually no purchases required. Just the decision not to sell or feel guilty about a piece of equipment I already had. And to dig it out of my boxes from Germany and just bring it to Lisa's house. Just bring it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of that. Yeah. Diana. So we'll see. Let's, you know, we appreciate feedback on which sound profile you prefer, which is most, uh, most beautiful to your ears. And yeah. we'll take that into account. It will be pretty hard to recreate the one from last time, though, where we were just in different countries. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you like that one least. I mean, I like that, least. Let's be in the same place. Yeah, way more fun to be in the same place. With a microphone on the couch between us, I feel like it's important to to say. It's just yeah. sitting there on the couch, yeah. just like we are. It's just a cool-looking microphone. I feel like I'm on a really old-school radio show, but on my couch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Great. Um, there's something else I really want to talk with you about today, Diana. Should we do caffeine? Well, I have some opinions about this, and those opinions have changed over time. I grew up never having caffeine and thinking that it was this really extreme substance. Um, And as I aged, I decided that I enjoyed the taste of decaffeinated coffee, but that real caffeine gave me nightmares. 
And I was so pleased by this explanation that I repeated it a lot to everybody. If someone would ask me for coffee, I would like share that I couldn't actually have coffee because caffeine gave me nightmares, but that I would gladly meet them for, you know, something without caffeine. So this was uh, a quirk, but uh, ultimately not a sustainable one to maintain in Germany because mm, no one's really interested in alternative lifestyles. <laughs> <laughs> like it's... I really wondered what you were going to alternative lifestyles when it comes to things that are so clearly like a universal good you know all kinds of um socially alternative lifestyles are available but like if it comes to not eating bread not eating not drinking caffeine food food and beverage yeah no questions no questions yeah so uh, you eat all things you drink all exactly exactly so i uh started drinking coffee sometimes and I found out that uh, as long as I drank it first thing in the morning, I seemed not to have nightmares at all. And maybe I never had. Um, and also, <laughs> it's possible they were just, it was correlation, not causation. And also, it's an awesome thing to look forward to every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I go on down that path for a few months. But then at some point, I lose access to an espresso machine for like a day. And I have a horrible headache. And this was my other sort of virtuous explanation for why caffeine was a bad idea was that I I never want to wake up feeling less than my best, you know. Um, I never want to have to, like, do something in order to feel normal. And I basically still believe that. Um, But my new strategy is just switch it up. And uh, now that I'm back in the U.S., decaf is available, actually. This was the Mm -hmm. thing in Germany is that decaf is, like, not a thing. Why would it? They just laugh at you. So... Um, that was not available, but now I'm back to it, so I can have the experience of having something like a morning ritual uh, that involves coffee flavor, but be kind of sneaky about whether I have one caffeinated drink or zero caffeinated drinks each day, and that keeps me from the uh, headache train. Uh, this is so interesting to hear. I had no idea about like the full extent <laughs> of the strategy, the, the zero or one mm-hmm. trick, um, but I have witness you boldly order a decaf cappuccino at like a fancy coffee place and I was very impressed I mean the thought never really crossed my mind to order a decaf and I think also if I had been ordering decaf like for some reason I couldn't drink caffeine or or I was abstaining from it I might be like embarrassed or hesitant like oh I'm so sorry like is there any chance you have decaf somewhere? I hope it's not too much trouble to do the decaf thing. But anyways, I was very impressed. Also, I, I have a very different perspective on this. I would say to the question, should we do caffeine? Yes. Uh, I have no questions about that. I've been doing caffeine since freshman year of college. Once I discovered it, uh, I would say it changed my life, you know? I mean, like, freshman year of college was very confusing. All of a sudden, uh, uh, it was really hard to wake up in the morning. I, I don't... Why does that happen? Like, at some point in your life, it just happens to you. It's emotionally draining to yeah. 
to experience wake up. college drama. Yeah. <laughs> and to wake up. <laughs> to wake up. I feel like it's only been a positive addition to my life and really the question for me is just how much caffeine should we do in a day? <laughs> like uh, I'm pretty much a two cup person now. One cup of coffee in the morning with Steven which I really like as a, as a ritual um, and Steven's so great at finding really interesting coffee and, and making it to perfection. Um, and there's something very satisfying about like knowing each other's order, like exactly how much cream or sugar you want or, or not. Um, and then usually in the middle of the afternoon, I, I need coffee too. Um, and I very much need it. Like I can't really, I can't do the zero. Like I'm just a bad person on the zero day, but like, fine. I'm, I'm such a great person on the one or two day, so I just won't have a zero caffeine day. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel uh, supercharged. <laughs> Which, Does it make you feel powerful? It makes me feel extremely powerful, but it's just amazing to me that I went through not only college, not only the first few years of my career, but also business school perceived, I believe, as relatively high energy without this thing that really helps. <laughs> that is truly remarkable, yeah. Diana. Yeah. Truly remarkable. So, I mean... I think that it is really great, um, and I think the best thing about it is looking forward to it and to have something so simple that provides such pleasure and functional improvement. Um, I saw a friend tweet, like, sometimes I go to bed so excited that the next thing that will happen after I wake up is coffee. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot wait to go to sleep because I can't wait to wake up because <laughs> I can't wait to drink coffee. And I think it's really nice to have this, something that's so exciting mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And partly that's because it just makes you feel excited. It like mimics excitement in right. what it does to your heart or something. You know, I think actually that is the best experience of coffee is the, the like ritual, the looking forward to it, the sharing it together, being able to say yes to, do you want to have coffee? Mm -hmm is a really nice feeling. Um, when I don't like it is actually when I'm trying to solve a, a problem with it. Like I am just super tired and the two cups is not enough and then I'm drinking another one. It always goes badly. Um, or I've forgotten that I already <laughs> had one or two or the last one came so recently. And then, um, you know, I'll just be like, shaking or uh, feeling extremely weird and I'm like oh my gosh maybe I'm dying <laughs> probably I'm dying and then I realize it's the too much coffee yeah yeah well uh speaking of things that we do every day or sometimes every sometimes some days um Diana should we wear the same thing every day well, it depends how you define same thing. There is a school of thought we'll call the Steve Jobs school of thought, which says literally have 20 to 50 copies of the same article of clothing that is identical in every way and just only wear that and it'll make life a lot easier. You won't have decision fatigue, blah, blah, blah. Um, that I don't think is realistic for me. I like colors too much. 
I like wearing a variety of colors and I like choosing the color, but I like the color to be the only thing that changes. I prefer <laughs> to have uh, two or three tops in every color and then basically the same jeans every day. This goes along with your, you really like to collect the whole set. I love collecting the whole set. Every color, especially when the set varies only in color and in no other way. That's when I like to collect the whole set of markers, of shirts. I'm deeply regretting not collecting every color of these Swedish shoes that I'll never be able to find again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it sounds like you're, you're basically trying to define like the same thing. What mm-hmm. do we really mean by wearing the same thing every day? If the same thing means the same item, but just in a different color, your answer would be yes. Then yes, definitely yes. Yeah. Okay, and um, I guess my answer would be, I think I would also tweak the question, and I would say, like, should we wear the same thing on the same day of the week, every week? (laughs) I feel like... Well, this is something that I hope people don't notice about me, but now I'm just saying it. I think I have, you know, about five outfits that I wear to work, and they become attached to a certain day of the week. Like, I'm almost always wearing this one on Monday, and this one on Friday, and this one on Wednesday. It it connects with my mood, how I feel about that day. Um you know, they're not so different from each other, these things, but I actually like wearing the same set of things each week. Has anyone ever commented on it? No. No one has said, I see you're wearing your Thursday shirt today, or why are you wearing your Friday shirt on Monday? And... Do you use the outfits to counterbalance your other feelings about the day? Like your least favorite day gets the most favorite outfit? Uh, well, I guess, I don't know. It just kind of depends on the day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Friday is about comfort. Friday Mm -hmm. I wear my most comfortable outfit because it feels like survival day, Mm -hmm. you know? Um... Just just do whatever I can do to feel good to get to the weekend. Uh, and Monday is usually a more vibrant day. I'm restored from the weekend. The middle of the week, those are maybe the muted colors. Interesting. Yeah. And what happens when you introduce a new article of clothing? What happens to the rotation? Well, it shakes everything up. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, and I... Ch- I think sometimes I'll like get a new thing, try it on different days of the week, and see see which day it fits with best. And then something gets switched out. Mm-hmm. And do you ever have a week where there's like a disaster because you didn't do your cleaning routine? <laughs> <laughs> now you yes, can. yes, that's true. So I have like the B list. There are a few more shirts that that I'm okay with, but they need to go out of rotation mm-hmm. for various reasons, but they don't because of the weeks when I slip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds all like I'm very rigid about this. I'm not, like, this is the first time I'm really articulating my color-coded weekdays. Yeah. 
I definitely have a rainy day strategy versus a sunny day strategy. Um, <laughs> I find this kind of funny considering the length of your commute. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have approximately a two-minute commute from my home to my office. Um, but I still have to be outdoors, uh, mm-hmm. and I often will be going to various customer meetings. So I have these knee-high boots that I was probably supposed to uh, water protect their leather, and I just didn't do anything, even though I probably should have, but now it's too late. <laughs> Is that, does that have to do with, like, every leather? Yeah, That's I've never leather protected anything except hiking boots. Yeah, me either, but I always think, like, oh, I, I will. I have good <laughs> intentions, but I have to wear this immediately because I just bought it. Yeah, I always plan to only wear it on sunny days until I get the chance to water protect it, which I never, never, never will do and no. never have. But they, and they always want to sell you the water mm-hmm. protector thing, and I don't buy it because I'm like, I'm not going to. Yeah. I want to wear this out. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So uh, anyway, the boots are already ruined in a way. So mm-hmm. uh, now I'll just wear them uh, because they're so good for splashes. They protect my pants bottoms from getting wet, which is one of my pet peeves when pants bottoms are wet. Um, so I really like that. And then I'll usually wear a sweater for warmth, but then, uh, that I pair with the only, uh, the only jacket I have that has a hood, (laughs) which is my three piece winter coat that you can have the down inner, the Macintosh outer, or you can zip them together to be a really warm combination winter coat. And for San Francisco, where it's pretty much always in the 50s when it's raining, at least this time of year, pretty much the perfect combo is thin Macintosh outer, sweater inner, and there's a hood. And then I'm protected. But I have no peripheral vision. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay because you only go in a straight line from point A to point B. Exactly. You know, this actually makes me think of um, real simple mm. and its role in our in our mutual childhoods yeah yeah I mean because okay so a little bit of background both of us were like 12 going on 40 <laughs> and loved real simple when we were little right mm, very much so yeah yeah and one of the things I loved about Real Simple was that it, there was always, like, the perfect whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you could read about the perfect button-down, the perfect white T-shirt, the perfect whatever. And I had such dreams that once I was a grown-up, I would have a closet full of only the perfect of each necessary basic and in a way I feel like we've kind of we've kind of gotten there we found our our systems but the weird thing is there is no there are no crisp button downs in my closet that was the quintessential perfect thing I thought I would need in my life and you just don't I don't need it it doesn't have to be crisp I have things with buttons on them but Loose and blousey is kind of more the, it's more the thing right now. Yeah, you want to be able to move and not have it like bunch up. 
Yeah, and also crisp just screams maintenance, you know? Yeah, and it crinkles, makes sounds when you move your arms around. Yeah, it's no good. As you were saying, this perfect item of each uh, article of clothing thing, it made me think that that's essentially what I've bought into with Everlane. <laughs> <laughs> which is I don't really truly want to do the work of identifying the perfect article of clothing in each category but Everlane's copywriting does such a compelling job of convincing me that they have already figured it out that I'll just buy it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're right it's so it's so compelling uh, that I totally believe them, even though I only have like one one thing from Everlane I think because the colors don't work for me. Mm -hmm. um, I just look weird in the whole color palette, almost. So, but I believe, I, I'm, I'm like, yes, yes, it is the perfect whatever. It's just, I'm going to have to find one very similar, <laughs> just in a different color. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are your colors? What's wrong with their color palette for you? Um, it's very muted and sort of drab, but in like a cool way, <laughs> you know, um, very cool, like easygoing, like I'm not trying to low maintenance. Yeah. So I can do like a murky grayish, brownish, whatever. You Their know? colors are like root. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, celery. Dank olive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't really do that. Colors have to be more, um, a little stronger for me. Like, it has to just be, like, a, a true navy mm -hmm. or, like, a, a vibrant cobalt or, or like, like, really eggplant. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, because otherwise, yeah, it just makes my skin look weird. Yeah. Which is actually more J. Cruz color palette, I think. They have much brighter. Yes, colors. they do. And J. Crew carries about 20 colors of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and which... they also literally will name their articles of clothing the perfect t shirt, the perfect yes. pant. Yeah. But it's almost like they ha there are too many colors. Like, I do want what Everlane is doing, which is we have chosen just the one or just the few the set that you need and you need the whole set mm -hmm. and then you're good it's just the wrong set for me we need bizarro universe everland <laughs> <laughs> serve I a think, different clientele yeah i think everland just needs to probably consider a rainbow of complexions <laughs> and then they can sell kits per complexion exactly Oh my gosh, could you imagine if Everlane sold things in the like wardrobe set? Like, starting a new job, here's your set. Get it all. The shoes, the shirts, everything you're going to need. That's essentially what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, can you imagine if it was just one beautiful package? It would be great. It would be great. They should definitely do that. They should definitely do that. Should, should they, they do that? <laughs> Our sister podcast, Get yeah. In Touch. Uh, Diana, do you think we should go on to the next question? Yes. Should we? Should we? We should. We should. We should. Okay. Um, I'm really excited about this question. 
Should we read fiction? Okay, I, you've been as, asking the question, <laughs> so I'm going to turn this one back on you. <laughs> should we? <laughs> By should we, I mean, should, should you? Should you? <laughs> um, okay, very similar to the first question, my answer is yes. Of course we should read fiction. How could I say no? Um, um, but... Uh, the question, the, and the, this next question is, which fiction should we read? And how do we find the fiction that is meant for us? And to be honest, I, I don't read fiction that much. Should we? Yes. Do we? No. Mm, not that Rarely. much. Yeah. I am in a similar predicament. I always feel better when I'm reading fiction that I really like. And I solicit recommendations all the time. And not only do I solicit them, I have an elaborate system for capturing recommendations that people happen to express on Twitter. I will open the share sheet. I'll share it to my to-do app of choice called OmniFocus. And I'll write a little note about who recommended it and why I might want to read it. And then I put it on one of four to-read lists. <laughs> read for fun, read for self-improvement, read for knowledge, or read for work. So I have, like such a system. Diana, you are so organized. <laughs> it's so organized. It's ridiculous. Do you know what I do with that kind of thing? I just dump it in Evernote. Whatever I find on the internet, it gets dumped in Evernote and I never go back to it. Yeah. I, but I'm happy it's there. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I used to do something very similar and then I decided to upgrade my system a little bit, but it still doesn't really work because I'll go back to the recommendations list and I'll download a bunch of Kindle samples and I'll try them and I usually don't like them. And it makes me feel really bad because someone I like recommended it and now I had been dreaming of this great moment of connection where I would circle back and tell them, I read this thing you recommended, I love it so much. And then my dream is just crushed in that moment. Also, I find it very confronting to discover that I have different taste in fiction than people that I like. It feels like a rift that cannot be overcome. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Here, here's another question for you. Do you think that your taste in fiction is, is consistent? Like, if you don't like a sample on the day you read it, would you not like it also on every other day of your life? Yes. I'm not very ambitious with fiction, though. Um, I never really took advanced English classes, unlike you. And so I feel like I never really stretched myself to read things that were more experimental. So prose needs to be relatively straightforward or extremely and obviously poetic for me to get into it. Um, and also, I can't stand clueless male protagonists. And so it seems like that's not a filter I share with everybody. Although it is, a, <laughs> it is a filter that I share with some. Right. And so I will often throw down a book in disgust because I just have, that's not a mind that I want to inhabit for mm. the next seven to 10 hours. Okay, so you have some, some real constraints there. Yeah. I would, I would answer a no to my last question. I have so many books around that I suspect I will like it on a different day. My taste in fiction has so much to do with my mood. And uh, I even have like a stack of books by my bed. I'm always reading different things at once. And um, 
on some days, some of the books in my stack, I look at them with complete disgust. And then other days, I look at the same book and it's the perfect thing. So I feel like I'm just gathering recommendations and actual books to keep them around for the moment when I need it. That's very interesting. I'm trying to think if there's ever been an example of a book that I didn't like at first and did like later, but I think I don't do a lot of second chances. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have this very opposite system, right, where you only buy a book if you're going to read it the same day? Is oh, that yeah, right? that's right. So when I started going all in on Kindle, which was at some point during my schooling career when I realized that shipping boxes back and forth each summer was costing me a fortune, I decided to just trim down once and for all and go all Kindle. And uh, I love reading. I love books so much. But I also was on a student budget, and also I had a lot of books to read for school. But I came up with this system where I am allowed to buy any book I want as long as I'm going to start reading it immediately because I wanted a sense of abundance, but I also wanted some constraint that would prevent me from collecting books that would just build up this obligation that I could never fulfill. Mm -hmm. um, so I do a lot of Kindle sample downloading. So if I um, hear about a book, it goes on my to-consider list, and then when I'm searching for a new book to hook me, I'll go through and I'll download a sample um, and then read the sample, and then if I'm disgusted with the sample, I'll move on to the next recommendation. But I don't do a lot of batching because I find that having any, uh, any sort of buffer of any size and weight just reduces my attraction to reading at all because guilt builds up so easily for me. Wow, wow. I feel, <laughs> so we're sitting here on the couch, and across from us is like this, this wall of books, and I'm like, this is my wall of like obligation and guilt. I just live with it as part of my decor, but I'm like so fine with that. This is a good kind of guilt for me, the guilt to read books that my past self really knew that my, my future self would need. And it's turned out to be really true. Didn't you go through a phase where you were only reading books that you'd already bought? Um, maybe, <laughs> but it can't have lasted for very long. I definitely remember <laughs> you saying that your New Year's resolution circa... Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, it, we should Google that or something. I'm sure it's on a blog I made once. I'm sure I probably made a blog that was like the book's... I'm going to read this year that I already bought, and then there's, like, one post on it from January. <laughs> yeah, and also, in contrast to you, I'm really committed to print. Mm -hmm. Like, there was only a moment in my life while I worked at an ebook reading startup <laughs> that I was very committed to ebooks. And I loved that way of reading with that particular app and that beautiful typography and wonderful reading experience. Um, but once once that went away, I was right back to print books. Um, and now, but I, I do still sometimes read ebooks if it's something very practical, like I need to get some information quickly and I don't expect to fall in love with the book. Mm. 
we are very opposite in this way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I feel like we cannot end this conversation without talking about um, maybe uh, what's the the last great book of fiction that you read. Well, yeah, I mean, last great fiction is really hard because it's been a while. I don't think I've made it all the way through a novel yet this year. I've read a lot of nonfiction. I just read a book I loved called Truth and Beauty, but it was nonfiction too. But it was very lyrical nonfiction by a novelist. So it was plotted like a novel and it was uh, it was very beautiful. It wasn't just practical. Um but I'll have to think about that. It's been, I think I only read two works of fiction last year, too. It's really been a dry spell for me, but I don't want that to continue. I really love novels when I get into them. And I think mm. I have the same problem with novels that I have with movies, which is that I have such trouble committing to a new set of characters. But once I'm hooked, I love it. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, I much prefer TV because I'm already bought into the characters and their arcs. And... I would probably feel the same way about series fiction if I could find one that I believed in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so love TV, hate fiction we don't like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tautological, maybe? True, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, I, I really remember the last two great books of fiction I read. Um, so I think I really asked because I want to tell you about them. <laughs> Can I tell you about Yes, them? yes. Okay, so the more recent one, which is still probably a long time ago, I don't know, remember when, was The Interestings. I feel like everyone read that. I don't know, but everyone read it like two years before I did. Then I read it, and I loved it so much I couldn't put it down. I read it on a really long flight. I read a huge chunk of it, and I'm terrified of flying, and I didn't even know I was on a plane because I was reading this book. I think it was because I love fiction that uh, is really based around the character's complexity and development. Uh, yeah, so I love that one so much, but then I wanted to like, I don't know, tweet about it or something, but I knew everyone had already read it 100 years ago. So I'm saying it now, I loved it. The other one I loved so much was um, Sea Creatures by Susanna Daniel. Um, it's such a haunting book, not, not, not meant to be a scary book, but so, so beautiful and sad and dark um but also but the writing is just so so good and and it really um makes you see relationships differently that is very strong praise i am excited to look into them i feel so refreshed and restored after spending all of yesterday reading Truth and Beauty cover to cover. And I just started another Anne Patchett book today. I'm not really sure whether it's Anne Patchett or Anne Pachette. Um, it's the plight I'm gonna, of a reader. I'm going to say Patchett, but Patchett. we've talked about this before. Like, this is the problem with podcasting mm -hmm. is you have to say stuff out loud. Exactly. You've only ever read quietly. It's a big problem. So... 
Uh, I started reading her book, The Magician's Assistant, and uh, it's a great activity. I love reading. I identify as a reader. It's one of the things that I'm most comfortable promoting, like who shouldn't write? I mean, everybody should read more, basically. Um, should we read should more? We? Yes. <laughs> no matter how much you're already reading, read more. Um, so, yeah, and I've been looking for a good after-work activity and reading could really be it, but reading very pragmatic nonfiction is not going to be the thing that I look forward to doing to wind down. It's just not going to happen. So um, I, need, I need something else. Diana, do you have a reading ritual right now? I do. I do have a reading ritual. It's gotten uh, hollowed out over time, <laughs> shall we say. So for the past year, I've been uh, reading every morning and journaling every morning. And at least for the past 200, 250 days, I've been 100% consistent about it. Um, but it started with reading for 30 minutes and then journaling, which usually takes me about 30 minutes as well. And then I got to a really busy time at work and I started saying, well, you know, there's this concept of touching the keys, which comes from like piano practice and one of the habit books I read where it's like, if you're not going to practice the piano, at least touch the keys so you're not building up resistance to the idea. So I was like, you know, touch the keys of reading um, five minutes. I'm going to read for five minutes and then I'm going to journal and that'll take, you know, less than 45 minutes and I can usually fit that in. And I have. But reading five minutes a day takes forever to read a book. It takes forever. And especially if it's this nonfiction book that, you know, I don't have to get swept away in, but it also doesn't sweep me away. It doesn't, I don't miss reading more after I've only read for five minutes. So that's not a happy habit change for me. But um, yesterday, I want to say I read for six or seven hours to finish Truth and Beauty. Wow. And that was such a pleasure, such a luxury. And so I want to, I think that timing it every morning has actually diminished the pleasure of it for me. So I'm interested in perhaps removing reading from the morning ritual altogether and then just making it a habit when I come home from work. Hmm. Okay, once again, I'm really a contrast here. I am just a binge reader. <laughs> I don't read for a while. Uh, and then all of a sudden I, I can't put something down. So very, very different, but I really admire the, I really admire the idea of having a reading ritual. Like people who read always before bed, especially this is one I would like to incorporate into my life. Should we read, should we do bedtime reading? Should we do bedtime reading? Oh, I love that idea. And it's so reminiscent of childhood. Mm -hmm. it seems like it would be so comforting. I bet I would fall asleep faster. Why don't I do it? I think I'll just start trying. Great. And then we can check in on it. And then we can learn, should everybody? 